You're listening to Slop House Ramblings with Dave Crumb. Welcome back to the Slop House, where when you pull up to the trough, you never know what you're going to get. We've been a little slow the last couple weeks uh, recording, so this will be two weeks since we've actually recorded, but I hope today's episode is... uh, gives you information that you may have not known. Slop House is now on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we air on uh, most of the large uh, podcast networks. So go there, like, share, look, listen for us, and uh, give us feedback on what you like to hear, see what uh, needs to be improved or what we need to work on here at the Slop House. Today I have with me a good friend, and uh, actually he's family, but he's... Um, very active in the community here in Martin County, and he is uh, assistant chief with the Inez uh, Fire Department. And I brought him in today, and I'm going to talk to him a little bit about the fire department, maybe give you a little light about uh, what's going on uh, with Inez Fire and Rescue, and uh, kind of give you some information that maybe you wouldn't have known unless you uh, heard it come from someone there. But today I have with me Jared Sloan. Jared, it's good to have you. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. And um, how many years have you uh, have you given to the fire service here in Martin County? Fourteen years um, altogether. And I remember when you uh, started coming around. I think you were around uh, sophomore, maybe in high school somewhere. Yeah, around there. I think I was just a sophomore. Yeah, because I I joined right before I got my driver's license, and I got that when I was a sophomore. He was around fifteen years old, I guess, when you started. And, yeah. And I know you do a lot of other stuff, but. Uh, your main role has been here at the at the Ines Fire. You've uh, you've moved into the role as assistant chief, and you've become very active in uh, the actual administration part of uh, working on grants and so forth like that. And, mm-hmm. and what what led you to uh, become a member of well, Ines Fire Department? Uh, really, I have to give it the credit to Kevin and Zach Zach Callahan, Kevin Crum. Uh, I became friends with them in high school, which, I, you know, Kevin's family, obviously, but um, we got closer when I got in high school, and we actually went to school together. And he and Zach were in the fire department at that point already, and me being friends with them led me down there, and I loved it and decided to stick around. So just, uh, just an acquaintance led you to the fire department, but it's been a something you've been at for, four, you said, 14 years now? Right, yeah. It led to... And, uh, Led to a much bigger commitment than what I had originally anticipated, but I love it, and I wouldn't go back and change anything for. Her. I know that you, you know, being a firefighter myself, you never want to respond to a call or nothing like that. But a lot of times, it, is it the the sense of uh, being an asset to the community or a helping hand that that keeps you there? Yeah, that's that's really the main the main reason that I think any of us would stay um, is because we know that the community needs us. Um, and there are times when, you know, we go through rough patches. We might go through a few calls and not have very many people show up, um, except for a select few. Um, and that's one reason that makes me want to stay there and be even more dedicated because I know there's going to be times when somebody might not be able to be there. So I need to make every effort I can to be there. Just like those instances where I can't be there, I hope somebody steps up and makes every effort they can to be there. With, um, you, you're talking about the volunteer part where a lot of people, you know, that's not, we don't, we're not paid to be right. on Inez Fire and Rescue. We're just, it's a volunteer, all volunteer, 100% volunteer. So there's no money going into individual pockets. Absolutely not. So there's times you may go to a call and you'll have 30 people 
there's times you'll go to a call and you'll have two. Right. Just like, uh, I guess it's been, what, a week or so now, you all had a fire call on uh, Mary Perry Road. and Right, yeah. And you had, I think you had a pretty good turnout that night. Well, as far as members, um, yeah, we had a really good turnout. And uh, you posted a, I'm going to go here with you. <laughs> <laughs> you posted a picture, and, and I think the caption was, is volunteers never have a day off or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something to that effect. And uh, you got trolled pretty hard. I got it. trolled really hard over that. Yeah, it kind of, I, I won't say it went viral, but it was put on a another um, fire service associated Facebook, and there were, I think, maybe about 100 comments or something on there. Yeah, there's quite a few comments. I've read them, and some of them get pretty raunchy, and uh-huh. some of them are, are, you know, pretty funny. Um, you've got trolled pretty hard over your beard. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Your, your mask not set. I just wanted to hit that tonight. I just wanted to, uh, deep down, I know it hurts a little. Yeah. But you have to roll it off and just you, laugh about it. You've got to you've got to let it roll off, and and you know that's part of really and truly that's kind of one thing that in a way makes the fire service a little bit better um, because we can kind of do that with each other. You know, even though it's people that I, I might not necessarily know, you know, there's always ways that we can improve. There's always things that we'll we'll need to change. Being able to poke fun at each other and and kind of push us to be a little bit better because that's what it does. It is a good thing. And one way that I looked at it, I know when I read it, you know, and I, I served with you, um, and, you know, I think we've got a great group of men and women down there that um, they go above and beyond, and they do it not for self-pride, because that was right. some of the comments that were made, is, right. is about self-pride, look at me, give me a pat on the back. Right. Um, but we do it to help our community. Right. And, you know, we're in a uh, – our area is uh, very down right now mm-hmm. as far as economy and, and job-wise and stuff. But um, I think the fire department has been kind of a bright spot, a staple mm-hmm. for the community over the last few years, and uh, and I want to thank you for your service. And and <laughs> and two, I want I I want you to know up front and in public that I that I've laughed. Oh, me too. Troll. Absolutely. And you know, and the way I've looked at it is is when in house we've got our own jokes that we mm-hmm. we joke with one another and we give each other a hard time. And oh yeah. I know what gets your buttons, and you know, you know yeah. what gets mine. And, yeah. And a lot of times I can get your blood boiling. But um, I had to look at it that way, and then I thought, well, this because I don't know for sure. It's a page that's it's nationwide. I mean, there I, yeah. was there was comments was, all over the nation yeah. on this, and uh, and I got to thinking, you know, it may be a, a fellow fire service person that's just having a good time, and it right. may be their release point, right? I, and and that goes into we all have to have some way to to deal with what we see and what we do and that that might very well be part of it like you know a lot of times i know for us we joke and and we have maybe a little bit of a sense of humor while we're at the firehouse that people might not understand or or might might actually and sometimes be offensive to people but you know we know that that's reserved for the firehouse and and we keep it down there but you know you have to have some way to deal with what we do well, you have to have thick skin too. Oh yeah, absolutely. To hang around, and I think that's uh, that's our way of showing that we love you and appreciate you. Right. Is if we gouge you mm-hmm. uh, and hit you hard. Yep. Uh, you've you've done something stupid on a fire scene, or you've done something stupid around a firehouse. You're gonna get hit hard. Oh yeah. And if you don't get hit hard, then that means nobody really is paying attention to you. Nobody's paying attention to you. So it's our way of. But I wanted to hit on that a minute, and uh, just to. Uh, just to uh, kind of get a laugh there for a minute uh, before we get into the, the business end here. And like I said, that um, we're in a uh, 
I want to call it oppressed state here in uh, Martin County, Eastern Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Appala- Appalachia, where um, the coal industry was our main source of income, and it, it's, it's gone. Right. There's just very few jobs left there. And uh, it seems as if the market just keeps going right on down. And that when the market goes down and the coal's not being mined, then the monies that's that's given to coal counties is, is basically dwindled away. So you being a leader, uh, you've been in the white hat status of the fire department. And I know, you know, I serve with you as the other assistant chief, but you all are in the more business end of it than I am. I'm just there for a sport role and mm-hmm. uh, maybe occasional having to talk to somebody. <laughs> as, a, as the leader of your department, and uh, what do you feel right now is Inez's biggest challenge? Our biggest challenge is – and. I know I say this, but it's just it is what it is. Our biggest challenge is is being able to provide adequate equipment for our members and really for the community. Um, and of course, that all goes back to money. It's like everything else. But it's just like we have on our roster thirty active members, where you know a lot of those members don't have um, gear, the turnout gear, which is the coat, the pants, the hood, the helmet, the boots, the gloves that we wear inside a fire. It's what enables us to be able to go inside. Well, one thing that enables us to be able to go inside. Um, we've got 30 active members, and a lot of those members don't have gear that's in date. It, it's it's expired, and it does have an actual expiration date for those people who are out there that might not understand that. It literally has an expiration date just like anything else. Um, and if it's out of date, then we cannot legally be in a fire in that gear you know as far as osha standards and nfpa and things like that um if something were to happen to a member wearing gear that was out of date and they were in a fire that would be basically a lawsuit you know we'd be fined significantly things like that so that's our biggest challenge is being able to provide for the equipment and gear for our members so that they can serve the community the right way and i know that uh, you're talking about the gear we actually apparatus wise, truck wise, engine wise, you know, we're we're pretty we've been pretty blessed pretty in blessed. that area in that yeah. in the last few years. And then I think a year and a half, maybe two years ago, we were able to purchase a ladder truck mm-hmm. that basically was a gift out of New York. Yeah. Uh, just because of a law change. Right. Nothing wrong with the truck. It was in immaculate shape. And uh, they can't it's got an open cab on the back and right. they're, they're not allowed to have they're that in New York no more. But um, apparatus-wise, you know, we're pretty good shape, I feel like. And yeah. But I understand on the gear part, you know, we've bought a few new sets with some state aid and then Grants. a grant mm-hmm. that, that you had worked on getting. Right. Um, just just to let people know, in the NFPA, I think it was 10 years, 10 right? 10 years, yeah. And uh, I think the gear that I had was right at 11 to 12 years old. Yeah. And I just got a new set over the past maybe three to four months. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually, I've been on there for, since 2001. So, you know, it's quite a few years that, and that was the second new set of gear that, that right. I've had. So a gear is, is, you feel is your biggest challenge. And, and when you don't have the right gear, you can't give the best coverage that, right. that the community deserves. Right. Uh, because our community, I feel like our community deserves just as good of, just as good as anybody else. As anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may be small, but, um. We deserve just as much uh, fire coverage. And then, you know, two, when you're, you're able to f- provide fire service, a, a grade A caliber fire service, 
that strengthens your infrastructure, Absolutely. maybe for businesses to be attractive. Look, this is a volunteer fire department. And they're running at a paid paid department grade. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that that's an area that as a mm-hmm. community, when you start thinking about, well, we were just given, let's talk, the, we're going to talk about the fire fee, but I'm just going to say when people complain about having to pay the fire fee, they're not realizing that I'll give, I think, what is it? a year that I pay for the fire fee. But what am I saving on my insurance? And I want to go there with the uh, The ISO ISO. standard that, uh, where is Inez at? Right now, Inez is a six. Um, Is that based out on one through 10? One through, it's based on one through 10. So it's, it's the, um, it's, it's a, what they call a community protection class rating. So um, it's on a scale of one through 10. 10, of course, would be like you don't have any fire service. And one would be the absolute superb best you can get. And there are some of those out there. Um, most For most of the country, most of the country usually falls between like a four and a seven. That's where the majority of the departments are. Right now, INES is a five or is a six. We were a seven. Um, and then when we had our survey uh, there a few years ago in 2016, we dropped to a six. And we actually anticipate the next time they come, we will most likely drop to a five as long as we can keep doing what we're doing, improve in a couple other small areas. Um, And basically what that number does is it allows insurance companies to look at our community when they go to sell a policy and see that we've been scored and know where where to gauge the premium that they charge you. And actually, it was probably about six or about six years ago. I actually did some research, um, and I actually went to a local insurance company and obtained a quote for a hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage um, on just like a home. And I basically divided out the premiums for a class nine, a class seven, a class six, class five. And you're talking, when you are looking at like a class nine versus like a class five, you're talking about saving anywhere from two to $300 a year. And now, of course, you know, there are things that go into your insurance policy besides that, like your credit. If you've ever had a claim before, are you bundling multiple policies? Of course, all those are going to go in there. So there's some individual factors in there too. But if you just look at it based on the ISO score, you're going to significantly save more money when your ISO rating drops, then you would ever pay for any kind of service fee or tax or whatever. So basically, you give you're giving thirty dollars a year in return for maybe a three three to five. I'm gonna say three to five hundred dollars savings. Yeah, that would be fair. Yeah, a, a year on your insurance. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest with you, I think when we when I first started in fire service, I think uh, Inez was at a nine. Martin County, most of our areas was at a nine. Yeah, um, like because we were in at that time, Coldwater and Tomahawk. Those areas were all a nine. The only area that was a seven was like Inez, and then the immediate surrounding area. And so we we worked, and then on the outside area, that that number has dropped. Yes. Outside of Inez area, you're yes. talking Tomahawk, Coldwater. Tomahawk, Coldwater. That those areas went from like a nine to a six. So or to a yeah to a six. So I mean, you're talking those people should have seen significant savings. They should have seen significant savings. So. When you when you have to pay that thirty dollars and and I'm I'm hoping that this is generating some information for you that you are a different lot than you'd heard or maybe looked at it, and uh, and it's all and I sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but it's also worth mentioning too now, 
Not all insurance companies rely on ISO. There are some that don't use it. However, those insurance companies are still going to look at the same data that ISO compiles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you if you go buy a policy through um, an insurance company that doesn't uh, deal with ISO and doesn't base their premiums off their ratings, your premium is still going to be based on the same type of, of um, information that ISO collects. So in a roundabout way, it still matters to them. But now if you buy um, your insurance locally, I think I've been told by um, our local insurance companies that most everyone they deal with goes with ISO. ISO rating. Yeah. All right. So as a leader, you know, your biggest challenge is, is equipment. And, and with that equipment, and that's the reason I went into the ISO, because when you got uh, very good equipment and everybody's wearing the best of gear and, and best SCBA and your response times, mm-hmm. all that's taken into place, your ISO rating goes down. And when your ISO rating goes down for your your area that you live in, then your insurance premiums have the possibility of going down too. Right. I'm not going to say that's always the case, but it, right. it's, it most of the time that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, as a leader, what do you feel are some of the positive aspects of the INS Fire Department? Um, well, of course, you know, the fact of just serving the community in the capacity of a firefighter, that is, a, a, you know, an obvious thing. I think that everybody would probably understand. Um, however, you know, we do a lot of other things, too, besides just fight fire or respond to car wrecks. You know, um, we have been fortunate enough to be able to, for the last several years, um, sponsor and um, conduct the Fourth of July fireworks show. So um, that's one of the greatest, that's one of the great things that we do. Um, we also um, help with the Easter egg hunt every Easter. Um, the community Easter egg hunt, we have, you know, hundreds of people show up there usually every year and we're always the ones out there hiding the eggs. We're helping set up, do whatever we need to do. Um, and then also um, we help with other aspects of the community, such as like if, you know, we've done a water give, we've helped with a water giveaway. We had um, our guys over there slinging water into people's cars that needed it. Um, we um, we do uh, with the Harvest Fest. We help them set up, you know, get get supplies, carry stuff down for them, help clean up, do whatever we need to do. So, you know, we help out with other organizations and and other activities for the community that it really makes a difference. You you partner. I know you just talk about the Easter egg. You partner with the Ministerial Association, mm-hmm. and yes. you partner with the. Community center, and that's where the events held for the local Fourth of July. Right, the Roy Collier Community Center, and uh, you know you work with the county on getting uh, water handed out. And then there's one area there that that uh, that I want to hit on is your educational part. That where we go into the oh yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've been to you've been in that area more than I have of uh, going into the schools and doing fire prevention week mm-hmm. and. And tell us a little bit about the educational part, what you all do when you go in. So uh, basically, um, we have a um, fire pup, kind of like a mascot costume type thing. And um, we take him with us um, along with our trucks, or well, one of our trucks, sometimes more than one, just depends. And then um, we'll go into our full turnout gear so the kids can see what we actually look like when we're actually going to be, you know, on scene if something were to happen. And we basically let them come up, see the truck. We let them come up and see us. 
get used to us. Um, we let them come up and see Fire Pup. We'll let them get in the in the cab and blow the horn and turn the siren on, you know, do all the fun stuff. But, of course, we also do some of the educational stuff, like the stop, drop, and roll. And, and we, you know, go over how to establish an escape plan with them and that the fact that, you know, um, that they need to learn their address so if they have to call 911 um, and then to establish a meeting point outside the home and everything like that so you know we kind of and we put it on the level of the kid you know depending on whether we're doing middle school high school elementary school we try to go to that level um, so that they understand it easier um, and we bring them outside let them walk around the truck and kind of go over some of the tools we use and things like that so just so that they can see it and have been exposed to it you know and i know there has been cases where you responded to calls and and the children have done exactly exactly what we told them what to you do. told them to do they, yep. they made sure they dialed i think they've called 911 mm -hmm. they've done what they were yep exactly and, uh, and they, they so the educational part it does works. work it really does uh, and two, that when he's talking about letting them see the trucks and, and feel, and and this is something that you're taught as a firefighter when you're going into a home to do a search, maybe and there's a, a child that's in there, um, and you're coming in with full gear. You've got you look like a uh, you look like a crazy looking monster monster or something, or something yeah. coming through uh, with the mask and everything on, so that gets them familiarized with you know they're coming to help. They're not here to hurt not me to anymore, hurt me. Mm -hmm. and, and they're in a stressful situation. So. It, it kind of gives them peace of mind. So I want to talk about that, the 4th of July, uh, the Easter egg hunt. There, there's a lot of other things that that the fire department does and is a part of. And a lot of our members are active in other areas yeah. uh, of the community of community service. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it may not be in the co official capacity of on his fire, but, right. but our members are active in, in all areas of the community. I know you serve on some different boards uh tourism, like tourism and, board and things and then you know we've got like wheeler's the 911 director and nick's an arson investigator several of us work at the prison so you know we we have our kind of our hand in a lot of other organizations that are related to the community okay there's there's another area that you all the the fire department offers that um, here lately shows to be you know good dividends is is the junior program and mm -hmm. i know you were a, you were a junior firefighter and now you're mm -hmm. serving in leadership role uh tell us a little bit about the junior program and, and requirements and stipulations on that um well um as far as um the requirements um we do require um, a certain gpa they have to maintain a, a c average um they have a curfew in terms of when they're allowed to come out on calls on during weekdays and everything like that they're not allowed to just come out at you know midnight or 1 a.m if we have a call in their school the next day they do have a curfew um and as far as the benefit of it it instills some camaraderie um in the young men um and a lot of them well i won't say a lot of them but there are and just like in every community um in our community there are some children who might not have that guidance they might not have that leadership um they might not have liked sports or whatever and they never really got into the whole organized leadership type thing so coming down to the firehouse really helps them with that and it shows them that you know there's always a job for somebody um they may not ever want to go in a house fire they may not they may not like that, but there's other things that they can do to help serve their community. So it, it gives them a purpose. It gives them camaraderie, shows them that there are people out there who care, 
who um, are going to try to help them succeed in life. And if we can absolutely do anything for those guys, we, we would in a heartbeat. Um, and I think that that's probably the greatest benefit of the junior firefighter program is showing them that somebody cares and that we're here and that we want to help. And two, it also generates interest because if you got one junior that comes down, right. and junior is 17 years to 14 or 15. What I think it's 14. 14. 17 years old to 14 years old. So you got that span there. So if your buddy goes down and starts hanging out the firehouse, yeah. then his his friend will come down. And then it also builds membership. Yeah. Because uh, now, now the state of Kentucky, they're allowed to get training and mm-hmm. get hours where years past – you could go all the training and stuff, but we got a lot. We've had several that have turned eighteen and been certified, been certified. firefighters yep. from the day that they mm-hmm. turned eighteen, and that they were able to, you know, go in and and be on the scene and stuff. So there's a lot that goes on with the junior program. The you know, the certain GPA that they have to maintain the uh, the the curfew and their character. Character, yeah, that that's a big thing too. Uh, you know, we are always in communication with the schools. I mean, we have talked to um, Miss Williams because most of them are, you know, obviously in high school with the age. Um, so we have talked to Miss Williams, you know, several times about checking in, seeing how they're doing, if they're having any disciplinary issues and stuff like that. Because if they're having disciplinary issues at school, then that's something we need to address at the firehouse because they are no longer just Joe Blow off the street. They are an Inez firefighter. So, you know, if they do something that reflects poorly, it's not just, you know, John Doe did it. It's firefighter John Doe did it. Okay. So we, we have a certain expectation of character and things that they, that they have to live up to. And we talked in the beginning there about the, the positive, you know, the biggest challenge. And you said the gear, you felt like the gear aspect was... The biggest challenge. So we're going to get into the financial side of it just for a minute. And um, what do you believe? And I, I, and I, when I sent this question to you, I put on there not a dream budget yeah, because I'm a dream not, budget would be right for a yeah. firefighter would be two million dollars yeah. a year, you know, yeah. for department air size. But a realistic budget of what you feel that it would take to provide grade A fire service to the citizens of our coverage area, Martin County. And I think we cover what around six thousand some we, residents. It, yeah, around it's about six thousand residents, about one hundred and sixty four square miles. It, it's the communities of Inez, Black Log, Coldwater, um, New Route Three, Devella D Board, Tomahawk, Rock House, um, Milo, Old Route Three, Grassy, Job. So basically, almost half the county, pretty half much the, half the county. You got roughly. You know, six thousand residents that you 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 run coverage for. So, what do you feel would be a, a realistic budget? Realistic budget, and of course, you know, not dreaming or anything. Um, I would say probably right around ninety thousand dollars a year. A year. Um, that would put us to where we would be able to, you know, actually rotate our trucks in and out of service the way we need to. Um, Currently, we can't do that. We're kind of just stuck with what we can get for, you know, six, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. And, you know, some people may say, well, that seems like that's plenty. Well, you know, when you're talking about a fire truck, with the way the fire service is evolving 
and everything that goes into actually fighting a fire or assisting with a car wreck and everything. If you're talking about spending eight or ten thousand dollars on a truck that might be twenty-five or you know almost thirty years old already, you're losing a lot of the technology that we have now, not only as a society but even as a fire service, come to rely on, um, and that kind of overlaps with our training you know we get trained by the state most of the time and they have the best of the best so you know we we get used to using that technology and seeing those things in training and when you have to apply it and you don't have it it, it does create a little bit of a barrier um, but not only that but there's a reliability aspect of it obviously if I go out and buy a vehicle for you know fifteen hundred dollars whereas I could go buy a new one for, you know, 35 or 40. My new one's going to be more reliable. That one for 1500 yeah, it might last me six months, but then I'm going to be spending another 2000 to get it fixed or buy another one. Um, and I'm not saying we should be able to go out and buy a new fire truck every year. I don't think that's, that's realistic. I don't think that would be a good use of taxpayer money. But we could, we could be able to find a good used truck that would serve our needs, that would have an economical price tag, and be able to benefit the community for years and years to come so you know i think about ninety thousand dollars would would help us to be able to do that to do to, so ninety thousand and that would help you with equipment apparatuses yes. that you need yes because we do receive i think if you're what is the percentage that the state requires on training to be? um if we have i think it's 50 percent of our active firefighters um are certified and they maintain their 20 hours a year of training then we will get we get eleven thousand dollars from the state i okay. think that's the requirement so and and to be honest with you i think Inez is hitting somewhere around out of 30 what'd you say 30 on the roster 30 32 34 members somewhere around something there. like that yeah right around we're there. hitting around 80 to 90 percent yeah usually certified. we're up there high so i mean usually we don't have a problem with that and so. um and to the state a lot's that 20 hours a year they will actually pay for the instructors to come in and perform that training for us based on us on a schedule that we come up with so really and truly if you don't get i mean you're it's basically free money almost you know i mean it's 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 harder it, it's harder not to get it than it is to get it in my opinion because all you got to do is come up with a schedule yep and, and have your training done so ninety thousand mm -hmm. dollars the set of a turnout gear for one person. Um, when we bought this last set, I think it cost right around $2,600 per set. And that's a helmet, boots, gloves, coat, hat, and hood. Or coat, pants, and hood. Good. So, what would you say, 20? About 2600 2600 mm -hmm. Okay, 2600 And this stuff. And that's cheap. That's cheap. Yeah. That was a good price. Uh, 2600 per individual so when you see a firefighter and that's not counting the scba scba right. per uh, pack is you're looking at anywhere from eight to twelve thousand dollars depending on what you want and usually ours are the bare bones type you know ours are usually around eighty five hundred so when you see a firefighter here in nine is and he's got let's say the black gear on he's wearing an scba he's got almost eleven thousand dollars yeah worth of of gear yeah. on yeah probably right around eleven thousand and and it is in spec with nfpa mm -hmm. you know it's yep. in the in the time frame so eleven thousand let's say if every firefighter uh 30 let's say 32 firefighters had um full turnout gear scba their own scba 
you're looking at eleven eleven thousand dollars a man. Yeah. And you're asking you're saying ninety thousand dollars would generate a good portion of, of being able to get to, to a realistic yeah. goal of that. Because, you know, realistically you're not going to be able to purchase obviously everybody on the department um, turnout gear at one time, even if we had that ninety thousand dollar budget. But what that would en- enable us to do is to put it on a rotational status. So like we might be able to buy five sets this year and give them to, you know, those five members. Next year we could maybe buy four or five more and then the following year four or five more. And then, you know, as you get to where you've got almost all your members um gear bought, as new people come on, we're still gonna have gear that's in date. So when it comes up to have to buy more, we can either buy those new people more or we can give them the gear that someone else had and buy the other member more. So, I mean, you know, you can do that rotation and everybody has in date serviceable gear. And what, and you know, we're operating on, um, where are we at right now budget wise? Well, um, on, um, for the, as far as the amount of money, the fire fee generates, it usually generates around 35 to $40,000 a year. For INS Fire, for right? INS Fire, okay. that's just for us. It generates around ninety a year, somewhere right around there, ninety, 90 maybe about ninety or ninety-five countywide. Countywide, and we're getting thirty to thirty-five to 30, forty thousand. Thirty-five to forty thousand. Yeah, and that's uh, Tomahawk. That's operating Tomahawk Fire Department, Warfield, or uh, Coldwater Fire Department, and mm-hmm. INS Station. Right. Keeping insurance on all the trucks, right. insurance on all the building, mm-hmm. utilities on all the building, mm-hmm. fuel in all the trucks. Mm-hmm. Maintenance on all the trucks mm-hmm. and trying to get what little bit of gear we can. Yeah. We can. Yeah. So in addition to that, we also get, um, like we mentioned, the state aid, the $11,000. That money is um, restricted. So there, we can't just go out and, like, you know, we can't just go out and use all that money to pay our fuel bill or we can't just use that money to pay our insurance. Typically, that money is restricted primarily for equipment and um, truck maintenance, things along, things along that line. So it's not as far as truly operational things that keep the, like, literally keep the doors open. You can't use the state aid for that. So in order, day-to-day operation, where you're running off of your um, – Fire fee, fire money. fee money, mm-hmm. which is thirty-five to forty thousand, mm-hmm. and you're taking three stations, and all the trucks, all the fuel, all mm-hmm. the insurance, the maintenance, oil changes, and mm-hmm. and I, to be honest with you, I, I feel that we've our members have bought into being more economical. Oh, absolutely. Minded um, of just don't get the truck out and joyride it today. Right. Exactly. Uh, Keep the keep the temperature of the bay a certain temperature mm-hmm. where the trucks won't. You know we've had to do a lot of things in that area mm-hmm. in order to stay within our means. Right. Uh, we can't live outside of our means because there's nothing else right. there for us to use. Exactly. So a realistic budget would be ninety thousand. We're right. running on about forty five at the good in a good time. On, on a good time on a, on a good year for the fire fee. Yeah. And uh, and the, you know the fire fee generates that's the thirty dollar fee the homeowner pays each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's split between, you know, the departments, Warfield, Pigeon Roost, Turkey, and Inez. Mm-hmm. And it's based and, on the number of stations you operate. And just to kind of elaborate to give people an idea, and I don't know if this was going to be a question later or not, but like, you know, that thirty-five to 40000 we usually spend about um, twelve dollars to $14,000 a year on insurance. That's for the trucks and for the building. Um, our fuel bill is usually... Um, several thousand dollars and then um you know you've got your other utilities your gas 
your heating for your stations. Um, you, we are required, actually required, yeah, to have a telephone and stuff like that. So at station one, you know, we have to pay that utility bill. So, you know, um, and then of course we have the loan payment from where we have the station and things like that. So, you know, the fire fee money usually really goes pretty quick. Yeah. Once you once you take into account all of those, and I know there's been times as as leadership, but we've had to sit down and say, you know, this is what we're looking at. Yeah, uh, we can't buy this because we're going to have to. Yeah, pay the insurance on the truck. We really and we can't run up down the road without the insurance without on insurance, trucks, just right. like so. any anybody. Uh, so, the cost is great to um, run a fire department, and and I want to, and I, that's the reason why I wanted to really sit down and do this podcast with you is. Is to give bring awareness to maybe people of our coverage area if they listen to this. Mm-hmm. Of we're doing our best to run uh, the best service we can mm-hmm. at a cheap at a at a very cheap rate at a cheap rate. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, and a lot of it comes with the morale is pretty high at the fire department. Right. Uh, you got you got great camaraderie. Yeah, that um, that everybody pitches in helps where they can. Right. I mean, and we we have a lot of a lot of people who understand that the fire department's pretty much strapped the majority of the time. And, you know, it's just like me. If I go out and we need something small or, you know, something that might just cost 50 or 100 bucks, I mean, I'll buy it out of my pocket. You've done it. Lee does it all the time. And, you know, so that happens. You know, just like the, the packing pellets for the pump, you know, I bought those. And, all. and and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying we all have that attitude of it, it's – you know, it's our job to help give back and to help keep the place going. So, if you're listening and uh, you want to be a member of the fire department, they meet every Thursday night at 7 o'clock at the firehouse in Inez. And uh, if you just want to see what's going on the fire, there's all, usually someone always there uh, just hanging out. Especially on the weekends. On the weekends. If you just want to stop in, we, we have a fairly new building, so you can stop in and look at it and uh, check it out. Uh, if you have a kid that is uh, uh, looking not a member of a sports organization and just wants to be a part of something, uh, I encourage you to uh, bring them down to the firehouse and drop them off and uh, let them hang out and see if it's for them. But I'm going to go um, here. I've got two questions here, and then we're going to talk a little bit and uh, before we wrap up. And I know that in the fire service, I know I've got my call that I responded to that, that mentally – Mm-hmm. cling to me do you have one that you know and we can't right. because of HIPAA laws and stuff we can't go into all the right. details but can you tell a little bit about the call that, that hangs on with you um, the one that hangs on for me it actually happened probably just a few years ago um, it was a ATV accident and it just kind of sticks with me um, just because I feel like there was there was more that we could have done if we had had the means um, and I, I'm one of those people who kind of always think about, you know, what could we have done different? And I think we all are that way to a point, you know, and, um, I, it, it, it hangs with me just because I think that if we had, if we were able to have a little bit more resources that it, it could have possibly went different or could have went better than what it did. Um, so it, um, that that's probably the one that hangs with me, and, and and those are the types of calls that always replay in my mind. You know, I don't usually just replay one particularly, um, but that one has hung with me for a long time. I will say mine was a car wreck uh, that I responded to. Uh, 
is a person that I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the hardest. And we live in a small community. Right. Um, where you know everybody just about it, but it was a, a person that I attended high school with. They'd probably seen just a uh, day or two, maybe three days before the accident happened, and uh, and had to respond to it as a first responder, not knowing right what you were rolling up on. So that that's one that stuck with me that I that I had a hard time shaking. Um, but you, there's been a dozen calls that they oh, yeah. respond to that, if not more, that that gets you. Yeah, at times. And uh, so, being a volunteer, you think, well, they're just down there to run their lights and have. There, there is a fun side to it. There right. is a financial obligation to it, but there also is a weight of, of having mm-hmm. to learn to deal and cope with, right, with the issues of responding to, right, because we're going to the when the, everybody's in their worst, you know, right, yeah, exactly. When whenever we're there, somebody's having the worst day of their life most yep. of the time. And and uh, to touch on that too about the fun side, you know, people think it's the fun aspect of it. You know, we we are volunteer. That's true, but we do the same exact job that a paid firefighter does. It's the same training. It's the same exact job. We do the same exact thing, same exact gear, same exact training that they do. Um, so they might get paid that, that hourly rate. Um, but you know, it's all the same. It's the same. The job is the same, no matter where you are, whether you're volunteer or paid, it, right. it's the same response, same mental status that you deal exactly. with. Uh, Rolling up on the scene, am I rolling up on my family? Right. Am I rolling up on a friend? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, am I rolling to a house that I just was in an hour ago having that, dinner? Having you dinner, know, yep. uh, you you deal with that, and I know in the fire service, uh, and if you you follow any of the departments and stuff, the PTSD they're starting to find is very, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time you you associate PTSD with military military things like that yeah but now they're finding that first responders EMS police and fire mm-hmm. are dealing with the same aspect yeah. so there, there's more light being shed on on that area that we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, in the last little bit and uh, but we're going to we're going to change it off here a little bit I know you've got a funny story to tell I've got one to tell and it's about you and oh, I've saved gosh. this this for close oh, to I last know which one you're going to tell sure I'm sure yeah, you might do it, but uh, do you have a funny story that you can tell that's related to the <laughs> yeah. fire department? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, mine's about Chase, and he's not here to defend himself, but that's okay. Um, but we had a call, and I can't remember where it was. It was a house fire. And, um, you know, there were several there, and they were fighting the fire. And, of course, um, Lee was driving the tanker at that, that night and had to go get water. Had to go fill the tanker back up while the pumper was, uh, while they were fighting fire. So he gets Chase to go with him. They go down the road. They come to the first hydrant they see, and Lee tells Chase, get out there and go blow that hydrant out. Well, so, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, whenever we say blow a hydrant out, basically what we're meaning is go take the cap off the hydrant and turn it on all the way and then shut it off slowly and that is you know within the the water the within the hydrant and stuff water sits there sometimes and it can you know cause a little corrosion and some rust and stuff like that and there might be rocks or whatever so we we blow it out to get some of the the crap out of the hydrant so it don't go into the truck so when lee pulls up he tells chase get out and go blow that hydrant out 
<laughs> and if you can just picture this now, a fire hydrant sitting there, and you had to you had to use your imagination a little bit. Chase walks up to the fire hydrant. He takes the the cap off, and he proceeds to, with his lips puckered, bent <laughs> bent at the waist down to the fire hydrant, and went <laughs> around 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 the discharge of the hydrant. So he he blowed the hydrant. He, he literally out. blowed it with his mouth. Yeah, he just blew it out with yeah. his mouth. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so uh, you know that that's probably one of my funniest stories. Mine has to be about you. Um, probably when you tried to scare me. No, oh. no, that that's oh. a, that was not on a that was not a response call. Oh yeah, we got called to a fire one night. It was on a one lane road, and uh, I'm rolling up, and uh, I roll my window. It's cold. It's it's cold. I roll my window down, and Jared's running up the side of this road. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember now. I rolled my window down. I said, what we got? What's going on? And he turns around to look at me as he's, well, I'm I'm moving and he's running a little bit toward the fire. And I said, what's going on? And when I he looked over at me, he disappeared. <laughs> so I had to stop my truck and I opened the door. I thought, what, did, did he fall under my truck or what? So I stopped the truck and I opened the door. And I look out, and he is his head is level with the hard top. <laughs> he had fell in. There was a sinkhole on the side of the road that went down into the creek, into the branch there. And as he's running, and, and when he took his eyes off where he was going, he looked at me. He ran into the <laughs> sinkhole. It was almost like a divine invention of God just disappeared. Just in poof, my, gone. Just gone. He was just gone, you know. And I, when I opened the door, I seen his head down there. And you're you're what six? Yeah, six two. Six two. Yeah, yeah. So Jerry's a tall guy, and he's he's down in this hole, looking up, <laughs> looking up at me, and um, and it was a it was a funny time. And that that's a story funny. that I'll until my mind is gone. I'll have. A, <laughs> he was really getting to that fire, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And gone. So that's one of my um, stories of you. I've got another one of uh, Lee. Who the first time I was ever able to go in and do interior tackle to fire, and uh, we were pulling hose. I was, you know, two men in, two men out is the the golden rule in firefighter, fire, you know, firefighting. And we were going in this house, and we were down crawling. We turned a corner up a hallway, and uh, Lee is six 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 seven something. Like, yeah, six seven. I think he's probably around. Uh, 375, three, 400 yeah, at, at least, the time. At least 350, 375. Um, he's a big guy, and he he's leading me in. He's taking me in for the first time. And uh, the hose gets hung on the corner after we get up the hallway a little bit. We're talking 5, 10 foot. Mm -hmm. So I go, and I, I pull me a little slack around the corner, and I go back up the line to where he's supposed to be at. He's gone. <laughs> I've lost a giant in a house, you know. <laughs> And I, I, here I am, it's the first one I've ever been in, and I, I'm scared to death, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, what happened to him? So I start feeling, I mean, and the smoke was pretty dense. Mm -hmm. I start feeling just to make sure that the floor hadn't fell through or, you know. So I was feeling my line, and what it was is he went down the hallway. He came to a door, and he turned inside that door, and I, w I didn't find him until I, I heard him start laughing. <laughs> Cause he knew that I lost him, you know, and we're, we're talking five, maybe five foot apart. It wasn't like we were right. 300 foot apart. So that's one of my funny memories that I lost, the, I lost the big giant in the biggest in the, guy in the fire department. I lost him in the, in the fire. So 
That's fun. Well, Jared, it's been good sitting talking to you about this, and uh, hopefully to shine some light on some of the issues, maybe or questions people had about what the fire department's doing financially. You know um, how they're doing. I know there's been questions asked. You know, you're you're um, getting a fire fee from us, but you're also charging our insurance. And, and yeah, that's that, not the case at all. Um, the we do have the prerogative to charge insurance companies. However, we make it a policy at the INS Fire Department that if an individual has paid the fire fee, we do not charge their insurance. Now, I cannot speak for all the other departments in the county, but as far as I know from what I've been told, none of the departments in the county charge insurances as long as the person has has paid the fire fee. And some of them may not charge insurances at all. I don't know. But the only time we would charge an insurance, the, the only time the INS Fire Department would charge an insurance is if it's someone who has not paid the fire fee. And To date, I don't know of any money that's been... Well, we've charged a couple. There's been a couple, but they hadn't paid the fire fee. Okay. So, um, but and we ha and we have had we've had charged a couple because they hadn't paid the fire fee, and you know that's just the reason being basically is is you know it costs us money to do what we do, um, in terms of truck maintenance and service and equipment and utilities and all that stuff, um, and then there's also the aspect of you know the fire fee is optional. You know, it's thirty dollars versus we can charge five hundred for a home um, if you don't have if you haven't paid the fire fee so you know you're really getting a, a, a good deal in that regard um, and if we didn't if we didn't have that as a recourse then you know of course nobody would pay the fire fee and we wouldn't be able to operate um, so you know but now if, if a person has paid the fire fee we do not charge their insurance well I just wanted to clear the air I know there have been some questions over that lately so mm -hmm. but I wanted to clear the air on that and uh, but it's been good sitting talking with you. If I've anybody, if anybody has any questions, they could stop in out the firehouse, uh, look around, check mm -hmm. our stuff out, see we're, what we're, we're about. We're happy to show anybody around anytime. And if you are looking for a way to give back to the community or just looking for something to do, come down. Um, and hey, if you don't want to go in and fight a fire, hey, that's fine. It's not for everybody. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that are on the fire department currently active that they don't want no part of it. But they come down and they help do other things. You know, we tell people we have a job for everyone. If you just want to come drive a truck, come drive a truck. You don't have to go in and fight that fire. If you just want to come down and help us clean stuff after a fire, that's fine too. We can find a job for everybody. Um, you, you don't have to just go in and fight fire. Um, so if you're looking for something to do on a Thursday or something to fill your time, you know, in the evenings when you're home from work or and you want to give back to your community some way, come down to the fire department. Um, we'd be happy to have you. Um, you know, we don't we don't have a big strenuous application process or anything like that. It's not stressful, and we're a pretty good bunch of guys, I like to think. So we're fun to hang out with. Fun to hang out with. So with all that being said, there's stories to learn about every aspect of life. The people out there around you have stories to tell. They have information to share with you. So until next time, get out there and find out about those stories around you.